listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, April the 26th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we take a look at readings on Monday for the following Sunday as a number of pastors are preparing to do sermons. The readings are from Acts chapter 8, then from 1 John chapter 4, and then finally from John 15. This is the fifth Sunday of Easter. And so we're still going to be having an Acts reading for the Old Testament rather than an Old Testament reading. And we're going to take a look at that today. It's Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. It begins, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now, sometimes in the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the angel of the Lord. There's a definite article in front of him, like at Moses on Mount Sinai. He meant the angel of the Lord. That was Jesus in his pre-incarnate state. And what did he tell him? My name is I am who I am. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in this case, this is an angel of the Lord. So it it could have been Gabriel or Michael saying to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Then Luke, who writes Acts, says, this is a desert place. And he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. So he was a treasurer, and he was in charge of all the money. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked this question, do you understand what you are reading? See, part of the goal of radio station KFUO and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is to help you witness the message of law and gospel, particularly to those who may not realize it. I've had lengthy conversations recently with individuals who do listen to law and gospel but they feel that the pastor they have is not properly making the distinctions between law and gospel. And you can usually tell that when the pastor ends with a note of law. I used to do that, actually. 
Remember I told you about Dr. Charlemagne, professor at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, who warned me about ending sermons with French or salad endings. And I didn't know what he was talking about. He said, well, you do a pretty good sermon on law and gospel, but a lot of times you end French, may we or salad, let us, and you put us back under the law. And so I'm very careful when I end my sermons to make sure it's on a high point of the gospel, the free justification by grace through faith on account of Jesus Christ. So here he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip gives us an insight. When somebody is reading the Bible, a good question to ask, do you understand what you are reading? Now, the Ethiopian says something very interesting. How can I understand unless someone guides me? This is the whole purpose of a pastor. In two of the four congregations I'm serving right now, uh, next week they're going to be calling a full-time pastor because they really need a full-time pastor. I'm 200 miles away from the congregation. I get there on Sundays. I did the Lenten services, but I'm not there all the time. And one of the congregations also works with a university, and there are students there. And so it's important. Now, how do you decide what pastor to call? Well, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we have a list of pastors who have committed themselves to the Lutheran confessions. And that list is used from which names are drawn, and then the congregation votes as to which individual they're going to call. But they should be very assured that these individuals who are on the roster of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as ordained pastors have listened to professors, understand Lutheran confessions, and therefore should be able to give sermons properly dividing law and gospel, Bible studies, confirmation for adults and children. They, in a sense, are the guides that God has sent to your congregation. Uh, I've had a couple of emails recently where an individual is talking to a friend and he writes me and he says, well, my friend was asking me questions about the Bible and I was unable to answer them. In fact, for some people, that's a reason they don't witness because they feel they don't know all the answers. Well, you don't have to know all the answers. Your pastor will know whether there's an answer or maybe there is no answer to that proper question. So I've been telling them, go to your pastor, ask him the question that you are asked, 
and then relate it back to the person that you're speaking with. Now, Isaiah has things in it that unless you have a guide, you may not understand what Isaiah is saying. So the Ethiopian, how can I understand it unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. And and now we quote it from Isaiah. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Now, if you're reading that and you haven't heard that much about Jesus, you won't understand that to be referring to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who became incarnate. And and just remember the Apostles' Creed conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. You know, in confirmation, we talk about the distinction between Christ's humiliation and exaltation. Humiliation doesn't mean his embarrassment. It's really referring to his humility. It's all found in the book of Philippians, where he humbled himself to the point of the cross, after which God exalted him to the right hand. This is a good distinction, because in his humiliation, though he had all his divine attributes, he did not make use of them a lot of times. And so in his humble state as a human being, Jesus got tired, he got hungry, he needed to sleep, and he died. These things God doesn't experience. But in a humiliated state, becoming a human being, Jesus did experience it for us. And therefore, what Isaiah is saying that as a sheep is led to the slaughter or like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In other words, after making it clear to Pontius Pilate that he was the king of Israel, Jesus did not defend himself. And that really surprised Pilate. Pilate said, I find this man innocent. There's no reason to put him to death. But of course, many of the people of Israel have been forced by the religious rulers to say to Pilate, well, we're going to go tell the emperor that you allow another man to say that he is king rather than the emperor. And therefore, Pilate said, 
All right, I will allow his crucifixion, but I wash my hands of this. So this is what the eunuch is reading. A good explanation of how Jesus became humiliated for us. And in that humiliation, he died and took upon himself our sins. That's what the message is all about. So, as we take a look at this, the Ethiopian is still unaware of what he is reading. Verse 14, and he says to Philip, about whom I ask, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? So then here was the opportunity. Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture, and he told him what? The good news about Jesus. Now, this is really important, that word good news, because that's kind of what the word gospel means. When we make a distinction between law and gospel, the law is the bad news. And through the law, we meet Jesus as judge, because we fail to obey the commandments. The law's purpose primarily in the church is SOS, show our sin. And therefore, it opens up the possibility of us asking, well, how can I be freed from the curse of the law? In the day that you sin, there is eternal death. And the law frightens us. That's why Luther says in many of his uh, commandments, we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So what's the gospel? Well, the eunuch has already been hit by the law, wondering who is this man that was led to the slaughter? And he doesn't realize that Jesus was led to the slaughter on his behalf. And so when he asks Philip, about whom I ask, does the prophet say this? Philip opened his mouth and tells him the good news about Jesus. And what is the good news? The good news is just not the historical events. Because even if you tell someone the historical events, like he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead. The, the question that still exists is why? Why? What does this mean? for me. And, and that's uh, the big distinction uh, between telling the interpretation of a text and giving the application. The application is the answer to why 
did these historical events happen? And the application is always the gospel promises. And what are those promises? Well, you can hear them from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And remember what he says to the thief who is converted. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The gospel promises are on the basis of the crucifixion and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And though those historical events are absolutely true, the message of the gospel is not heard until the application of those events are given. So Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Now, Isaiah is probably the best Old Testament book to understand what the good news is. Remember, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of, his all, of us all. By his stripes, we are healed. In other words, Isaiah gives a clear picture of the reason of the suffering of Jesus Christ for our sins. And then even in the Old Testament that Philip was repeating to the eunuch, there is that message about the importance of water. It's found in the Bible where God says that he will put clean water on us and that will be the way that we receive the forgiveness of sins. So we now can understand that Philip was telling him the good news, not only about the cross, not only about the resurrection, but also about the sacrament of holy baptism. And that's why the eunuch, as they're going along the road, they come to some water, and the eunuch says, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, I have a very good friend, Peter Kurowski, who was in a parish, and a family dropped by, uh, husband, wife, two children, and they were making a trip, and they needed some food. He fed them physical food, but began to talk to them about Jesus Christ. They too asked to be baptized. And he took the family down to a nearby water, I believe it was a lake, and he baptized them in the water. And they went on their way. See, when you hear about baptism and Peter's important preaching on it, that in baptism you receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit puts faith in your heart to believe that promise, who would not want to be baptized? So remember, the Ethiopian eunuch 
is a Gentile. And so I believe this is put into the Bible to show that it's not just those of the Jewish lineage that are to be saved, but also the Gentiles. As Jesus says to the disciples, I am the good shepherd and I have sheep not of this fold. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about Gentiles. So the eunuch commands the chariot to stop, and both he and Philip goes down to the water. Philip and the eunuch together, and Philip baptizes him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more but he went on his way rejoicing. So this was a miracle that occurred that Philip was taken from that area. And the next verse tells us, but Philip found himself at Azotus, A-Z-O-T-U-S. And as he passed through that area, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he arrived at Caesarea. So once more, we have an example from Philip that we too are to preach what? The gospel to all the towns. Now, the word gospel can be taken in a narrow or a wider sense. The wider sense is when you talk about the gospel, that's a message of Christianity, and it involves law and gospel. In the narrow sense, the gospel refers to the promises that we have received because of the death, resurrection, suffering, and life of Jesus Christ. Notice the reaction on the part of the eunuch. He didn't see Philip anymore because it wasn't the presence of Philip that caused him to rejoice. It was instead the hearing of the gospel. And he was rejoicing because he had been baptized. That's how God has a way of entering into the Christian church. It's an assurance that you are part of the Christian church. Now, you can become a Christian by hearing the word of God and believing the promises of the gospel. It is not necessary to be baptized with a Pentecost baptism. I mean, that is obvious because that would mean that no one in the Old Testament books was saved because the Pentecost baptism was not available. But how were they saved? Well, let's take Abraham. God came to Abraham and said he was bringing a blessing upon the whole world that through a son named Isaac would come the Savior. 
Now, that wouldn't be a problem to believe if Abraham was, say, 30 years old and Sarah was 20. But at that time, Sarah was 70, uh, 65 years old and Abraham was 75. That They were already past childbearing age. But the Bible says Abraham believed those promises of God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So that's how a person can also become a believer. And what baptism is, is a way of giving assurance that you really have received the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's the purpose of why you listen to this radio station in order to have the Bible explained to you. And on tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Mark Smith, we'll look at the hymn, At the Lamb's High Feast. And once more, we will explain the meaning of that on the basis of the gospel. We thank you for supporting KFUO through the share And now you have an opportunity also to support law and gospel. And if you would listen carefully, you will find out how law and gospel is supported at the end of this broadcast. Uh, how to send a check to Concordia, made out to Concordia Mission Society with the address. And that will keep Law and Gospel also on KFUO. So thank you very much for your support of a radio station that proclaims Christ. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.